yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. My name is Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact. Who are these guys? Well, they're on a mission to maximize your use of marketing automation and CRM. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. All right. My guest today, I can't wait to introduce you. I can't wait to get started chatting. She is a nurturing expert. Now, she wouldn't tell you that. She's such a great person. Nurturing expert. She is the marketing automation strategist at Cheshire Impact. She's worked with hundreds of clients in all different shapes and sizes, different industries to help them maximize their nurturing, actually create it from the ground up and then build it so it's blossoming, driving leads to close one revenue. She is amazing. She does the nurturing strategy at Cheshire. She does on-site workshops flying about the country. We have funny stories to share with that. She's a teacher, a journalist, a marketer, a mother. Susan Baird, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. It's awesome to be here, Casey. Thanks for including me. Oh, I told you I was going to crush that intro. You've got so many things that I love just sharing with people about. Well, that's, that's really nice. It's pretty incredible how, um, you know, we ended up working together and, and how wonderful this journey has been so much better than I initially thought it was going to be because I didn't know what to expect and what a journey. I mean, it's, right. It's been awesome being with Cheshire from the ground up and just seeing all the ways that we have helped folks and, and it doesn't stop. It just keeps on rolling. And it I, does. I love it. It's my second favorite job I've ever had. <laughs> um, being a mom is number one, maybe. Um, are, we, are we still have some work to do? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's my third favorite job. Yeah. Because being a mom is my first favorite job, but I don't think of it as a job. I think of it as a, it's a state of life. Yeah. So I don't really it's think like of it. like an adventure. No. doesn't yeah. even count. Uh, <clears throat> no. Well, hey, I wanted to remind people, jump right into this, the theme for this month, finally, it's along that CSI, that, that maturity model, that scorecard for really maximizing marketing automation, that CSI, the success index. We have different steps along the way because we found so many people would get some really cool tool in and they just use it like MailChimp to just blast people. And it's like, that's not the way to do it. So we went ahead and, you know, lined these things out. And first month was all about getting to know your buyer. Then we set up reporting so we know what's working, what's not working. We've progressed along. We've hit content marketing, all sorts of different things. Now, finally, it's the sweet stuff. This is the stuff that we do all the time over at Treasure, that nurturing and setting it up. And now we know most people aren't doing this even though they buy the software to do it. So we want to help people get this set up. And I think the best place to start is just by smashing myths. That's what we do here. We just smash them. We punch these myths in the face. Yep. And this is like bogus strategy. Or maybe this is just people that are not in the know and they first come to you and they, they think that nurturing is something else entirely. Right. And then you yep. just get in there and you clean house and tell them what's what. So tell us what's what. Where do you want to start? What do you want to smash? You know, I think the first thing and the big reason why people don't set up automation and when I first started at a previous job, and by the way, I do want to clarify the only reason this is my second favorite job. <laughs> You're back to that, yeah. I, well, I just got to say, because I think it's, it's weird to just leave it hanging there, is before this, I was a teacher and now I'm teaching again. So they're basically the same thing. But that counts. We'll talk- that we'll totally counts. That we'll get into, yeah, we'll yeah, definitely we'll get into that. But that, that helps too, because everyone was wondering, like, hmm, what, 
did she work at Disney? What happened? But yeah, no. you um, te- taught for years and now okay. you're teaching mar- uh, marketing, teaching nurturing. So yeah, we'll definitely dive into that. But yeah, yeah. it's good to clarify. Yeah, it is. It is because I don't want you to think, I didn't want anyone to think that Cheshire Impact wasn't awesome. It is. So oh. let's go into talking. Well, this is a hardcore marketing show. You can just say, say what's what. Just tell it how got it. it. <laughs> uh, so I think the first myth is people are either think that lead nurturing is the silver bullet. Mm. Like if we just put a series of emails together and push go, we're suddenly going to be inundated with lots of new qualified leads. And so right. when that doesn't happen right out of the gate, they consider it not worth their effort and it, it's a failure. And I think that's, that's a myth that um, we need to reset expectations with yeah. people when they, with not only the marketing team, but especially with sales and leadership. Mm. So they understand what lead nurturing is all about. And it's not about creating immediate sales. So I think right. that, you know, and that's something we could talk about later too, but I think that's a big myth. Um, so do you think that's because the, you know, typically you know, be on the B2B side and a lot of our listeners are, are B2B, of course. the sales cycle might be six months. So if right. you initiate this program that, you know, has been emailing people for a month that, right. that, that hasn't even had a chance to necessarily hit all the people that are going to be in the buyer's journey, or maybe you've hit the first, they've, they've received one email, you know, right. that yep. the start. And yeah, I, we've had some people that, you know, definitely skeptical at the beginning because they need to give it a runway. They need to, they need to, and eventually it's what shrinks the whole, the journey. It can, it can shrink that sales cycle. It can, it can move things a little faster yeah. if people follow the best practices of, right. and you know, that's what you guys are talking about. What we're all talking about. I'm talking about it all the time. You're focusing on it this month. So right. um, there's lots of good best practices to discuss. So I think, I think that's one myth. I think a second myth is that, marketing teams think that nurture programs have to be these big, complicated, (laughs) convoluted, um, long involved programs with lots of back and forth and tagging and notifications. And Mm -hmm. because of that, especially for new people who haven't really done it, it can be really overwhelming. Um, And given that Sometimes, you know, what we talked about with the first myth, where leadership or sales will say, we're just going to put them in a nurture, and the marketing person is not even sure what it is they want out of it, so they put something together, um, and they create this big, long process, and it doesn't work. So it's intimidating, and it shouldn't be. Right. Like, the idea that if it's complicated, it's powerful. Right. You know, one time I, I joined a company, and this should have been a warning sign, but they actually got rid of Pardot. And here I am like the Pardot wizard. Right. <laughs> they got rid of it like a month to two months before I got there. Weird. And they had this other tool that um, uh, has the, the name of a metal in it. And then ah. it also rhymes with pop. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so they had this tool and uh, I haven't seen it lately, but at the time, really complicated right? Mm-hmm. Old school tool was really complicated. And the person that bought it was, I think that the key decision maker was like a, the head of product was moonlighting as the uh. marketing director. And so she thought that, man, this must be the bee's knees because this thing looks complicated. I can't possibly fathom how to use all these widgets and the, the navigation showed everything all at once. And you're just like, wow. Now I, I would be, 
horrified because Pardot's so, you know, so arranged in such a way that you kind of like an iPhone, you just know where stuff's right. at. This very tool wasn't like that. And, and it very much it was the sense that, you know, this thing looks powerful. Oh, you have multiple databases. Now, you only use one of them, but you, you can use more. <laughs> You're only, only one can connect to your CRM, but there's many. And so just the fact that it, it could be complicated made them think, oh, yeah, we should get this must be more powerful than the other thing. And right. that's where usability can come and bite people. But to your point, same thing on nurture campaigns, just because the app gives you the ability to, you know, wait, you know, three and a half days, take their right. pulse, if their blood pressure is 13, then do, right. this, <laughs> you know, and, and if they're Sagittarius, go left and you yeah. know, all these different <laughs> criteria doesn't mean you got to use it. Right. Right. So they get complicated and I'm sure that just overwhelms people when they yep. look to their neighbor and they look at all these key examples of just complicated scripts. Yep. So it doesn't have to be complicated. No, it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, and, you know, I think an, another big myth, when I ask people, when we first start out working together and I say, why, why do you want to do lead nurturing? You know, what's the yeah. value to you? And they say, well, it's a way to stay in front of people. And <laughs> I think that's a huge myth. Right. I, I don't think a goal of staying in front of people is helpful to anyone on the planet. It's not helpful to your company. It's not helpful to the people you're trying to quote unquote, stay in front of. It's not about staying in front of, it's about being relevant. Right. And those are two very different things. And I think that people think that as long as they're putting an email in their audience's inbox every week, every two weeks, every month, they're done. That, that was all that they're supposed to do with lead nurturing is just make sure they show up in the inbox. That's so crazy. Uh, I think this morning I got an email from someone who is staying in front of me who keeps offering me Salesforce services. And it's like, hello, we do that. By the way, if you're listening, we do Salesforce services. <laughs> but <laughs> nice, he's nice emailing job. me and right. staying front, in front of me. Uh, and so when we, it was so true. We're looking to be, we're looking to be relevant. We're looking to drive people to a goal. It's not just right. about being in front of them. That's no. annoying. That's called spam. Right, exactly. And if you think about it, so as you know, Ugh. we use Gmail as our corporate email platform, yep. which works yep. great for us. Yep. And I don't know, you can set your inbox up in a lot of different ways, but I have mine set up with like the updates tab and the promotions tab. Yeah. So the people who are trying to stay in front of me yep. are in the promotions tab. How often do I open that promotions tab? Never, right? <laughs> and what um, do you do when you get in there? I, I delete. Select all, I hit delete. <laughs> or I skim. But yeah. I'll tell you what, if there's a company that's trying to stay in front of me and they have a solution, someone might say, well, but when you're ready for that solution, you'll be glad they're in front of you. My email inbox is not where I go when I'm trying to look for a solution. I Google, Yeah. right? And that's the first thing I do. And so I don't know that just hammering me with multiple emails, it, it, first of all, it takes a ton of time and resources from the marketing team's perspective. True. And I don't know that the ROI is worth the time and effort it takes. So I think the question is, all right, well then what's the alternative? And right. we can talk about that too, but I just think staying in front of huh. is not a worthwhile goal. Not at all. It's just staying in front of, you know, and sometimes I'll get an email that, Oh, maybe I'll use this later and I'll right. use this as research and I archive it. Man, that that's how my car gets messy and I gotta clean it out. And it, you know, <laughs> you like, know. oh, hey, I, I might need this. 
No, you probably won't need this. And if right. you do, you're going to, to your point, Google search it. Right. And you're probably not looking at your inbox. So right. be helpful, be memorable. Right. But don't just think that you're going to fill their inbox permanently. Right. Use that. Good point. And, you know, I've got, there, there's some examples of people that I do follow their emails, okay. whether or not I'm going to purchase their inform or their products or not things because they're educational because I learn how to be a better marketer. Oh, wow. But the companies who are sharing this information are in business to make money. Right. Um, but, and, and I'm not in a position where I'm a decision maker purchasing software, but I'll tell you what, I've got a pretty good platform for making recommendations. Yeah. And 100%. I'm going to recommend people that I see are authentic, are passionate, are expert in their spaces and are more concerned about helping me than they are about helping the bottom line. Yeah. That's where my loyalty what do you lies. Got? What are some of the people you should go just sign up for like professional research, just sign up for these ones. Who do well, you Well, so one of the the companies that I think does a phenomenal yeah. job is Wistia. Oh yeah. And I say that because a lot I mean there are a lot of people that are intimidated by lead nurturing, yep. but there's also a ton of people that are intimidated by adding video to their marketing. Hell yeah. <laughs> And they think, I know you have this super fancy microphone that we're seeing right I do. now, I do. but I bet you didn't start with that super fancy microphone. No. And I think that a lot of people think, well, we can't do video because we've got to have all this equipment and right. we have to have all these scripts and we have to, well, not true. Right. And the reason I know that is that Wistia has all kinds of great and helpful tips for, you know, how to shoot video on your iPhone and great free lighting solutions you can get at your local discount store, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Plus they have really fun videos to watch that make me excited about the power of video without them saying video is very good and you should do it. They just right. show and I get excited about it. So I right. think, I think Wistia does a great job. I think another uh, company that does an awesome job is Moz. It mm. used to be SEO Moz, but now right. it's just MOZ. And right. SEO is another one that's difficult, but man, their whiteboard Fridays, they give away so they much do. smart stuff and they give it away. They right. don't expect anything in return. And as a result, if I'm looking for a video platform, guess where I'm going first? If I'm, and I will be in a position where I have that opportunity. Yeah. Who do you think I recommend when clients are saying, Hey, who, sh who should we look at? Who's first on my tongue? And yeah. it's not because I get any kickback. Right. It's because I'm as passionate about helping people as Wistia is. Right. Another, another great um, resource, I think, is 37 Signals. Mm. Um, and they're the makers of Basecamp. Yep. And they put out lots of just really good um, how to have a better workplace and how to be a better leader and how, you know, different project management strategies which again, you don't have to own 37 signals or even be in the market to buy it to benefit. So I just think there's, and, and so my loyalty and my, I, why wouldn't you want me to be your marketer, Wistia? Right. And I will be. Right. Because I'm learning from you based on the content that you're sharing. So, you know, there are some other examples too, but I mean, those are three that come to mind. Yeah, no, Wistia, 37 signals. And oh, Moz, that's right. Yep. 
Yeah, those those are some great sites. You know, whiteboard the whiteboard Wednesday that Moz does. I recently did some some training videos for the CSI, which were still chopping up, and you'll see them soon. It's hard to write on a whiteboard. Like you'll see, like you'll laugh at me. We should. I need some outtakes, but I'm like trying to write on the board and look at the screen. No, (laughs) horrible. I I wonder how you did it as a teacher. Not that way. Right, not that because I'm like turn away, right on the board. Right. It it and then I'm like, well, I'm I'm facing the board. What are they gonna? Are they look? You know, look at the back of my head for a while. Like so. How how did you do it? <laughs> you know, that's I just uh, I did exactly that. You know, if I was I either had stuff written on the board before I started, right, or I used it to emphasize that's something smart. that I was saying, and it's a nice trigger, at least when you're teaching, for people to go, oh, I should probably write that down because she's writing it down. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's there's a lot of spinning and pirouetting when you're <laughs> teaching. <laughs> Well, you can critique my CSI videos, but uh, but yeah, Moz does it. Not only do they do it well, but it looks so cute and clean. Like they write oh, so it well, it's so visual, as if a graphic yeah. designer drew it. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. even understand. But yeah, the Moz, the Moz webinars. I mean, we've we've both seen them. You know, like these right. companies we're all talking about. We've both seen them. We've seen their their content. Right. You're right. They're staying top of mind, and that's a really good point about nurturing too. Is that um, I mean, there's so many points in that but one of them is just your current customers become great brand advocates absolutely if they love you and you keep giving them content to stay top of mind absolutely right but you're not staying top i mean you're giving them content but you're continuing to help them be better at that's a good point not not just top of mind to your right yeah and the other thing to keep in mind that i think people get freaked out about is you can provide great content and not create it so some of that content better be your own but you're doing exactly what I'm going to recommend, which is you're bringing in a bunch of different people to share their insight. Yeah. Well, as a marketer, why couldn't you do that as well? Right. Go and see what are other bloggers saying about a specific topic that you're trying to educate on. Obviously, you're not going to go to your competitors and share their stuff. Right. But you know, think about if my audience is in this particular niche of an industry, For example, at a previous job, I was um, a marketing manager for a software company, and I knew that I was, um, one of my audiences were IT, IT people. And there's different levels of IT, right? (laughs) Yeah, there are. It is. Yeah. And part of what our software did had to do with um, not preventing, but, uh, well, preventing data breach, okay? So, So trying to guard against that. Wow. So what kinds of things are IT folks worried about when it comes to data breaches. So I would go out, I'd spend an afternoon once a week or once every two weeks and go research um, LinkedIn groups and um, message boards and those kinds of things. Reddit would have been a great place to go to see what are people talking about and what kinds of content are they referencing and then can I also reference that? Now, I'm a huge, sure. as I used to teach, a huge, um, I, I'm very opposed to plagiarism, obviously. So I would never want to take that content, right. but I would love to refer people to it because right. not only, and people will say, well, why would you send someone off our website? Because we are experts in our space and we didn't get there on our own. Right. And this demonstrates that we're experts because we know what's going on in the space. Sure. And here's something cool we saw that we want to send you to. 
that is still great content for me as a marketer to share for my company, maybe even in a nurture program without the, if I don't have the resources to create a bunch of expert content on my own, then there are times and places, not always, but there are times and places where curated content can be phenomenal. Right. But give credit where credit is due, obviously. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it, there's a confidence. If you're, if you're the leader, if you're the smartest person on that, then you're not you're not concerned about these things of keeping people they know they know who sent them to the different right. places now exactly. i think you do have to have some of your own thoughts on the topic you can't just curate the entire thing right. right that you're not saying that you're saying you know mix and match but get people the right information regardless right. of whether it sells your thing or not because they'll i mean hubspot did that a great example of that right for years they've owned that inbound marketing word phrase their marketing is right. top notch it's hard it really is to compete with them because marketers just grew up knowing them you know and that's such a funny story um for me from my life um i told yeah. you before that i so i was a teacher and then i was um a freelancer and when i started freelancing and being a copywriter i i hadn't really done anything with marketing i didn't know very much interesting so i spent a lot of time kind of self-educating yeah. And HubSpot was one of my very favorite places to go because they had such great how to how to do a better job marketing. And yeah. I picked it up really quick. Well, so fast forward, I go to my marketing manager job at the software company and I'm the one who says, "Hey, we should probably think about marketing automation." And why? Because I was such a huge fan of HubSpot by that time. I said, "Oh my gosh, we got to do this." And I already knew before, when I said it, that I wanted HubSpot. Well, the CEO said, oh, you got to go get three bids, blah, blah, blah. So I sat and listened to three demos. That is kind of how CEOs talk. Yes, isn't it? Uh, it is. <laughs> and um, after seeing the three demos and Pardot was one of those, right? we ended up going with Pardot because we were using Sugar CRM at the time. This is yeah. ways back. Way back. And so I wasn't able to choose HubSpot, even though yeah. that's where my loyalty had lied because of all the great education. All the content, me. yeah. I got to tell you, we so made the right choice. Pardot yeah. is, well, I'm, I'm just the hugest Pardot fangirl slash evangelist. Totally. You so are. So <laughs> I'm really glad that that's kind of the direction because I wouldn't have known about Pardot. But I still got to give props to HubSpot for all of the great resources that they put out. And so if you're not on HubSpot's mailing list or haven't downloaded one of HubSpot's, you know, white papers, you can do that. Let me also tell you another story that I think does a great job of showing the difference. Sure. So I had to, to get my three demos. Yeah. So there was another company um, that rhymes with um, Dargetto. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the way they reached out to me, was sales email, sales email, sales email, uh, phone call, sales email. Sa and even after I was done, they started reaching out going, okay, you chose Parda. Are you sure? You want to come back to us? You want to come back to us? And just that super aggressive mm. sales approach was a major turnoff. So you've got HubSpot on one hand, who's being super educational and helpful regardless of right. whether I go with you. Not to say their salesperson didn't reach out because they did. Yeah. But then you've got, Marketo, who was super aggressive in not only their emails, which were sales focused, right. which was probably a drip, right? Probably, but also yep. the constant phone calls 
I didn't choose Marketo simply because of that experience. Now, I bet Marketo has made a lot of changes. And, you know, I know that I've got lots of people who have worked with Marketo and like Marketo. So it's not a slam against Marketo. It's a, it, but my but nurturing. experience yeah. with that in comparison to what else I was seeing, I think illustrates the point I'm making about being relevant and helpful. Totally. You know, it's almost like these nurtures are, are a reflection of your company. You know, this marketing it can be a reflection of your company. And in, I had a similar experience in that I knew half the people, I say half the people at HubSpot. I even met with a senior person that he was trying, hey, come over here. And I was like, I just got a new job. I can't come over there. Right. Um, and so I, I knew a lot of the folks over there and some former colleagues worked over there. So I thought, oh, that's great. And I too had gotten all their information. I mean, look, they nurtured us. They filled that void. Because I'm trying to think back then, who else had content like that? I don't, I don't, you're right. I don't think anyone did. So they really kind of, they grew a whole generation of marketers up, um, which is fascinating. Um, now, in the end, it came down to sort of that, that product sales experience and, and, and some, some were turnoffs. And for me, I actually couldn't get a chance to see HubSpot because at the time their sales, they just wanted to talk and they wouldn't show me their tool. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, but I went with Pardot too. But it's funny how, you know, the, the marketing's there. And for me, it was the simple, you know, the, you know, Adam, who we bought, part, I bought yeah. part of them, just super yep. simple, capture, nurture, automate, nurture yep. being one of the things we're talking about today. Right. And, and we went with that one. But yeah, it's interesting how that nurture can really, can really be a reflection of all of that. It's fascinating. Yep, it is. And, but I also want to capitalize on something you just said about how it's, it can be a reflection of your company, but I also think it goes back to what you initially a few minutes ago, we're talking about, about coming from that egotistical perspective. Because uh, I yeah. think the nurture coming from, it's all about us and here's what we want you to know. And here are all the things that we think are cool about us and about our products. And we're going to tell you in this nurture, right. doesn't work. And so it's a reflection of our company. So if all you're sending out is, this is how great we are and why you should buy us. Me, that's me, a me. reflection, right? Yep. Yeah. Or the reflection is, how can we help you? Right. Work with us, don't work with us, but how we have a, a bigger mission. Right. And I know at Cheshire Impact, our mission is to teach a better way. You totally. know what, what can we do to help you be more confident? Yep. To help you feel less stressed and have more success with your marketing automation tool, especially if it's part of. Oh my gosh, can't wait to talk right. more with every client about what else can we be doing here? Totally. All day, every day. Yep. It, like podcasts are free. It, we're just putting out content because we want to yep. teach you stuff. Exactly. And, and there's no strings attached, but obviously right. if you enjoyed learning from us, then you probably enjoy working with us too, but it's not like a in your face type thing, you know? Right. I, I think because we all grew from being marketers, the, the, the sales side, even, even the, the Cheshire sales side, it's much more a teaching sales, you know? It, right. It doesn't even feel right oh, to call absolutely. them sales. It's more no, of like, know. you know, engineers or something, you know? I am always amazed when one of our salespeople reaches out to me and says, hey, can Pardot do this? Or I've got a client who's trying to do that. And my first thought is, why do you need to know that? You're just trying to sell. <laughs> and then I realize, well, that's not how we operate. Right. Most salespeople just, you know, but these guys yeah. are having in-depth conversations. So I would say, if you find value in any of the stuff that you hear, that's great. 
And totally. if you want us on speed dial, then work with us. If right. you want to take it as we throw it out there, that's awesome too. But if you have a specific need, oh my gosh, let me right. work with you. I can't wait. Send, right. send them to me. I just, I get so excited. Yes. Send them all. Just say you heard the podcast and you're, right. you're requesting Susan. <laughs> yeah, bring Susan. it on. There goes the schedule. That's almost as crazy as the person that gives out their email at the end of the podcast. We're like, no. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's awesome. So, okay. So we t we've crushed some myths. It doesn't have to be complicated. It, it right. doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't, you know, that whole, I don't want to do this. If I can't build the whole thing, then I and make it super complicated. I don't even want to do Short, sweet, simple. I want to start. Yeah, short, yep. sweet, simple. Yep. So let's talk about short, sweet, simple. What? And I know you've got a really cool way of, of thinking about it. So, you know, tell me about, you know, the W's and the H's. How do you <laughs> approach, you know, teach someone, uh, teach a better way. Teach, what, how do you summarize nurturing? And, and how do you teach nurturing? So I think it's important to know that. Um, so yes, I, I taught high school and it was yeah. in my life and I loved every part of it. And I actually taught journalism, which is why it laid such a great foundation for what I'm doing now. Because when I taught kids about how to write, how to produce content mm. in journalism, it was about don't, we, we've got to figure out how we're going to get people to care about what it is we're writing. So right. you can go through the motions, but I would tell them if you're gonna spend two hours on that story and no one reads it, those are two hours you're not getting back. Yeah, time's valuable. That's the only resource really. Right, and think about who they're trying to attract. Now, this is gonna date me, but it was, you know, I started out before the age of every kid having a cell phone, you know, a smartphone. But still, you're trying to get teenagers' attention to read. I mean, that's a huge yeah. challenge. And so we would spend a lot of time talking about audience and why will they care and all of that. So my five W's and the H come from my background of journalism teaching, which that's is cool. who, what, where, when, why, and how. Okay. And then the biggest one of all, which is who cares. Right. And when kids <laughs> would write a story and they'd bring it, and they'd hand it to me. And I would read it and I would look up and I would say, who cares? Wow. I would say, that's not rhetorical. Right. I'm not shrugging my shoulders going, meh, who cares? I'm asking you, who will care about this? Right. And it really allowed them to rethink the way that they were approaching things. And so I use that same approach um, when I talk to clients. And so the first thing that, that, I don't want people to just jump in and build a nurture because they know how to do an email template. Right. I want people to really think about the strategy behind it. And so if we go through the who, what, when, where, why, and how, we start with the who. Okay. And we think, who is it that we can actually help? Of the people that we have in our database, who could we help, not just with our products, but with our expertise? And not only yeah. that, not only who can we help, but whose trust do we need to gain? So not just who do we need to talk to, but who needs to start to see us as the experts that we are. Right. And there's all, all kinds of other who's having to do with segmentation and all of that. But another big question is who needs to be nurtured? And when we think about who we're nurturing, who are prospects that really need 
product information and who are people who are just kicking tires yeah. who need more branded stuff. And so, right. you know, that, that takes me back and I don't know, I'm sure you guys have, have heard of it, but Matthew Sweezy has this really cool concept called the three, two, one drip. Oh, cool. And Pardot has put that out as well. And the okay. idea is that in, for example, when you're following up from a trade show, the first email that you send includes um, a stage three call to action. And a stage three is these are hot. These are people who everything's breaking around them and they need a solution. Got well, it. how do you know when you have a list from a trade show, who's a three? Well, you offer a stage three call to action. Click mm -hmm. here to contact us and see right. who does. And then whoever didn't, we can then assume, well, let's, let's assume they're all stage two. So what's stage two? Stage two is education. Stage two is, but it's education about us. So case studies, it's white papers, it's what kinds of things do people need to be able to do to trust us as a solution provider? Right. So we, the second email we send, if they click on one of those types of resources, that's our call to action. We move them into a stage two drip. Cool. If they don't click on either one, several things happened. A, we didn't hit their inbox. Sure. B, they were on vacation. Yeah. You know, or whatever. So now they're stage one. Well, stage mm. one means they at least came onto our radar and right. we must be on their radar in some way, shape or form. So that's more the straight up education. That's right. the Moz. That's the you know, the Wistia, that's the, how can we help you be a better marketer? And when you start to see that we know our stuff and you become, you move into a space where you are looking for a solution, we are going to be top of mind, not because we flooded your inbox, but because we taught you stuff. You, you know, I like this because we're talking about the who, and then we're talking about, um, there's probably more W's. I don't want to steal the thunder here, but different people the different who's are in different places right and you know shout out to matt sweezy he's a cool dude yes he brews his own beer he paints paintings and he, he's marketing for salesforce um, thought leader uh, but yeah his three two one's interesting is it because i think a lot of people have that standard approach of i'm gonna give you my my top of the funnel content first and then middle and then last but this yep, easy one win. Yeah, right. it flips it and it, it says, does. look, someone's ready to buy right now. Why give them six months of early stage content? Give right. them the content they need now so that they buy now. Right. And, and people that are like, yeah, I'm, you know, that's great, but they need more. Good. Right. They get the more, they get the, the middle stage next. And then finally that top, top leadership last and probably go back around. Right. Yeah. So it's an interesting model rather than dance around those people that are ready to go. Let's do it. Now, we know there's a small percentage of them over everyone, but right. hey, might as well get them. Yeah, get the low-hanging fruit. I mean, yeah. like, they need something now. And 321 doesn't work for every kind of nurture situation. Sure. But it's especially powerful when we're not really sure where our people are in the funnel. So it's a great way. And it's not fail, you know, foolproof. Like I said, if sure. someone's on vacation and they don't click on that first email, it doesn't mean they don't want to buy right now. They just didn't sure. see it. But it's better than nothing. Right. And it does, um, you know, it, it helps, it helps us learn more about our buyer, which is what the whole thing's about in the first place. Love it. Love it. So who, then, in the bag, in the integration right. bag, who, who's next? What's, well, now what? we're moving on who, what? So let's who, do what? what. Okay. And so the what is what value can we add? 
Right. Not what can we tell them, but why is that even going to be valuable, right? So what is the value that we can add? What are the ways that we can be relevant? What are the ways that we can absolutely help people feel more confident in their knowledge about their jobs, look like rock stars yeah. to their leadership. So back to my story of at the software company, when I went in and said, hey, we should do marketing automation, sales team and leadership had never heard of that. What do you no, mean? No, that's, that's revolutionary right there. It is. Well, how do I know that? Because I've been reading up from yeah. resources that I trusted. So we can help our marketing, our marketers that we work with, Yep. or our customers or our potential customers advocate on our behalf and look like they're the smartest people in the room totally. if we do this right. So I think, you know, the, the what is huge as well. Value. Um, like, cause, cause you already said on the who, you know, who can we help with our expertise? What right. value can we add? What do they need to know? Um, yeah. Right. Love that. And, and what, um, so, so the, yes. And then, what are what metrics are we going to use? Ooh, I like that. I think that's another one because I think measurement is huge. And one of the things that marketing automation has done for the marketing team is it's given them a seat at the table that yeah. they didn't otherwise have because people just figured marketing sat around with graphic designers and drew pictures and you know. And I now, wish. I now, wish. <laughs> and now marketing can say no, that wasn't what we were doing. Yeah. It never was what we were doing. Yeah. And now I can prove based on look how, how we're able to get people engaged yeah, and we can see that. So, um, cool. Metrics is important too. Who, what, where, where, um, so part of this has to do with just our general marketing strategy, which is where can we connect with these people? Ooh, okay. So not only, I think we get in a tunnel where we think, well, um, we're not really going to worry about e-blasts. We're just going to do nurturing. Well, that's only one environment. Right. So where else can we be educating? Where, so podcasts. We've never thought okay. about doing a podcast. Let's do a podcast. Let's um, start going in and participating in LinkedIn groups. Not promoting our webinars exclusively. But going <laughs> right. in and answering questions. Yeah. Um, you know, like Adora, in the Salesforce Adora. community. Yeah. We're always out there, you know, uh, answering questions. And what do we get from it? The feeling that we help somebody. Right. And, you know, if they say, God, who, who was that guy that just answered that question? Casey Cheshire, who's that? I don't think there's very many people left in the world who don't know who Casey oh, thank Cheshire you. is. But, you know, <laughs> if they go, who is this guy? He's smart. Right. They may go Google Cheshire Impact. Yeah. But not because you said, contact us, but right. because you offered value. Yeah. So where can we get in front of people and offer that value? Um, and then the other thing we, I want to think about is, when we have our calls to action, where are we driving them? So right. I think people get in the habit of, oh, we got to build a bunch of product landing pages. Product landing pages are worthwhile for certain situations, but why aren't you sending them to your website? Why aren't you sending them to your blog? Don't just go on autopilot deciding where you're going to send people. Really think mm -hmm. it through. Um, yeah, make it an adventure. You know, right. you're, you're here to you're here to provide value. That doesn't mean you have to formulaically always send them to a landing page. It could right. be, you've already, you already know who they are. You've already captured them some way, shape exactly. or form. Maybe you need some more information. You're going to progressively profile them, but not every time. Maybe right. you want to just get them to that resource or that, yep. that document. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And it's a great way to build their scores, you know, because we're seeing yeah. the engagement and sales will then 
if they're talking to them right now or they're going to talk to them eventually, they'll have a topic of conversation to launch from because they'll say, hey, you know, it looks like you downloaded that white paper. Um, did you have any questions? Now, hopefully right. they'll be a, have a lot more finesse than what I just said <laughs> when they do it. But I also think an important we is or aware is focused on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Where can we learn more about our audience? Where can we learn more about what their typical questions are? What are their misunderstandings? Um, where can we learn more about our own products? And the thing is, this is, I, I know you would agree with me. In a lot of companies, sales and marketing operate in silos. Mm. where there's you know a wall and sales does their thing and marketing does their thing and sadly there's a lot of companies where marketing sits and waits for sales to tell them hey go send this email out or hey we want Ugh. this and so what great yeah. marketing marketing automation strategy does is it forces sales and marketing to work together because the answer to where are we going to learn about our clients is by talking to the sales team Mm. interviewing sales reps or even, and this was another suggestion from Matthew Sweezy, I can't take credit, um, sitting on sales calls. Now, right. salespeople think that's, some, some of them are like, no, nah, I don't want you to do that. But how better to understand the language, the flow, the sure. way, how do people, when, when a salesperson is talking, how do they ask the questions? Yeah. And, you know, I know when, when I do my lead nurture workshops, I get salespeople and marketing people on the phone together. And I yeah. will say to a sales rep, so what are the kinds of questions that you're being asked? Right. And the sales rep almost always will reply, well, I ask them what their budget is. And I ask them and I go, no, 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 no. I don't care at all what you ask them. Yeah. I right. want to know what are they asking you? Right. I want to know how many what are the things you're having to explain over and over and over again? I want to know what are the misunderstandings or the misperceptions that people have when they come to us? What do they think they need versus what you realize they actually need? Yeah. Because when we can learn more from the salespeople, number one, it helps us mirror those conversations. Number two, it builds our credibility with the sales team because they know we appreciate and yeah. value what they offer totally and we see them as the experts in our space right. in our company you are the experts so i think that's a, a step that marketing leaves out um and i think they need to be as much the experts i mean yeah they need to be product experts but they have probably some other folks in the company that can tweak that content what they really need to understand is who are our buyers? What are their, what, when they say no, why, why did they say no? Right. You know, cause the more we understand, the better we can get into their heads when we write our content. Totally. You know what I, I loved about what you shared just now is that um, talking to sales, you're like, Oh, I, I tell them this, but it's like, no, what do they ask you? Right. And, and you got to a really interesting point, which is the fact that oftentimes your buyers come in with a certain, a want or or a need it's whatever they perceive the problem is and sales rightly knows that sometimes that's correct sometimes that's not but that's really important for marketing too and i remember uh sometimes for even our own marketing at chess here is that we find that some people um 
are in tactical mode and well if we if we tell them about this big strategy that's going to help their nurturing they're like that's cool i see strategy all the time but if they're like i really need need to know how this little tactical thing works if i can fix that then my whole life will be saved that's not exactly correct um the strategy is the starting point but potentially your buyer isn't there yet so they come in asking some sort of tactical thing you Mm -hmm. answer that and then you lead them to the bigger pond, which is let's fix your strategy first so that you, whatever right. you do build in the end works out well. But you're right. There's a little bit of that. Um, you may know better than, than even the buyer what they need or want mm-hmm. to sort of lead them that path. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can do that by asking these questions. So who, what, where, and I think you haven't got into some of the other ones. Wh- which one do you want to hit next? Uh, when, who, what, where, when. Ooh, I like it. Um, and, you know, when is, when do we nurture? And it's not always and every time. Right. Um, what's our cadence? What, how often should we send emails? That's a great question. We get that all the time. What, what's your answer to that? When people say, well, how often should I do this? Um, you're going to hate my answer. Cool. Because I'm going to say it depends. It depends. Yeah. Hey, that's a great answer. Well, it I does mean, depend. Well, what kind of guidance, you know, what, what goes in your mind when, you know, when you're thinking, let's say you're making your own nurture, what, right. how long it goes? So part of it, it all comes down to the goal. What am I trying to accomplish? That's and great. So yeah. if I'm, cool. if we think of that three, two, one idea, right. if I've got a hot prospect, I can probably send them emails more often every three hmm. days or so. If I've got somebody who hasn't engaged with me in six months, throwing them an email every three days is only going to get them to unsubscribe. hundred percent. Right. So, so part of the answer to the to the cadence is who's my audience and what's my goal. So if my goal is just gem, general education, I'm just giving you something relevant. Yeah. And if you know that this is going to be something that you're going to want to do weekly, for example, like Moz, yeah. well, then you want to make sure that if you set it up to be weekly, you better follow through and do it weekly. Right. I think for people who are brand new at nurturing, um, I always recommend short is better. So maybe four emails, five emails max. And I suggest trying six days in between. Um, and the value of doing six days instead of seven days is that um, emails never show up on the same day. Right. Because then you start looking rote, not right. impersonal. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's, this is some super secret squirrel magic tricks here. Right. Now, one of the things, yeah. though, that I think is a myth is I hear clients ask me all the time, so is Tuesday better than Wednesday or mm. is morning better than afternoon? Yes. And again, who's your audience? Right. Are they in front of their computers mostly in the morning or in the afternoon? I actually had somebody tell me, well, I want to send after four o'clock. And I'm like, mm, really? That seems kind of late. And they said, we're in financial services. Nobody has time to check until the stock market closes. Uh-huh. And I thought, so smart. That's a perfect example of knowing when. Right. You know? Um, when does the market I, close? Is it close at four? Oh, uh, four o'clock Eastern, I think. Interesting. What does that tell you about, <laughs> about the amount of money that I have to invest? Right. I'll, I'll call my friend Warren Buffett up, who's also from Omaha, and, and uh, have him. I'll ask him when the market closes. Oh yeah, I was just just um, one day we'll have someone googling this stuff as we talk. But uh, um, 
NASDAQ opens at 9.30 and it closes at 4. New York Stock Exchange, 9.30 to 4. Yep. So you could get them, yeah, morning, prob, yeah, they, they got things, they're probably thinking about the trades that need to happen. And again, it you know, depends on who the financial services audience True. is, but it's about, it's about who your audience is. It's yeah. about whether Kudos, you they are knew. high in the, or high in the funnel, which is you want to space it out a little bit more. Are you recycling people that haven't been in touch with you or are these brand new people from a trade show that you want to try to grab? So, right. but I think again, to start with, I'd say four or five emails, I'd say every six days. And one of the things I always tell people when they first start off is, just th just get it out there yeah. because six months from now, you're going to be able to look back and go, oh my gosh, remember that first one we did? And it doesn't matter how much yeah. time you put into it right now. Six months from now, you will still look back and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe we did that. So we've got to get that first rung on the ladder. Yeah. So if you don't know for sure, go with six days between every email, do four or five, and then at the end of that, evaluate. Right. Evaluate, come back. The whole idea of iterating on something and you're not going to make it perfect instantly. You also, you also, you know, busted the myth at the very beginning. This isn't like an overnight success thing. You've oh, it's got to constantly tweak and change and yeah. evaluate. Uh, but to your point, you got to get something out. So it's even like writer's block. You, you got to just do it. Right. And um, we had the cartoon, the marketoonist on here who shared his creative process, which was every day between set hours, he puts on the same jazz music. <laughs> and he's done this for like 10 years and it's like, wow. Wow. Uh, but same, and he gets some index cards out and then he just does. And then he doesn't try to self-correct yet. So right. same idea, you know, don't get wrapped around the axle of making this thing perfect or making it complicated because then you'll just never do it. And then yeah. never doing it is way worse than having, you know, round one. And then Absolutely. Round version three. Yeah. Cool. So, that's my win. Yes. And then the I love how. that you're keeping track. I wrote, I'm writing these down, but it's, <laughs> somehow you're keeping track of where you're at too. Great. Um, so the how is just, you know, really the meat of it, which is how are we going to educate people? How oh, are why? we going to come we up have a, with- Do we have a why first? Why is last. Why, ooh, why is last? I mean, it doesn't have to be last. Simon Sinek is rolling in his grave. He's not dead yet. But okay. So <laughs> how is next? Okay. I'm sorry. I distracted you. No, it's okay. How please. is next? Where I'm just that's what we're going to talk about next. Um, <laughs> so, the, so, the how is, um, you know, what are all the different ways that we can educate people? And so, it's not about how are we going to create all this brand new content mm -hmm. because you have content, mm. you have website pages, you have brochures, you have stuff, you have that, that white paper from seven years ago that you invested in that one time and then it never really came off the shelf, but right. you've got it, right? So first of all, think about who your audiences are and who your goals are. Then, then do an a inventory of the content that you already have and figure out what yeah, can you inventory. repurpose. I like that. Also, as you are doing research for um, content that you can curate, what could you spin into your own blog post that doesn't steal those ideas necessarily, but that says, you know what, I've got some things I can add, like you said, but, but as your own new blog post. Also, what about infographics? What about video? What about yeah. case studies? And this is a really important point that I think people forget. People put their marketing hats on and forget what their own life is like. 
So think about every big decision you've ever made, whether you're buying a car or you're choosing a vacation spot or whatever. What's the first thing you do? You go to the website, you see what's there, and then you look for reviews. Yeah. Because, and even though, like, I, I do this all the time on Amazon, I don't know these people, I don't know how credible they are, but for some reason, I want to know why this thing got five stars. Yeah. So if you don't have reviews in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a case study, whether it's a short video, whether it's even testimonials, you got to get out there and get some of those too, because that's how you're going to build the credibility. So right. Again, the how is, how are we going to find the content to share? Right. And to your point, do a content inventory and make the call. Just, be, just because the thing's old, if it's still good content, to your point, value. Is that thing going to provide value to someone? Yes or no. And, and you're just going to flip it. I mean, repurpose it. Like yeah. pull the, pull the information out, add a current statistic ah. not starting from scratch, you know, that's like, re, that's like rejuvenating your old exactly. white paper. Exactly. Ah. Exactly. So when I say repurpose, I mean, pick something you already have, slice and dice it. Take wow. like one of the nurtures that I think works really well is to take a longer piece of content. Say it's a, a white paper. And if it's old, don't be lazy and use that. Okay. Yeah which would be really quick, right. but then put a nurture together where you pull this valuable piece out and that's the content you send and your call to action is go get the full paper. The second one is here's another important piece from that white paper. What's your call to action? Go get the white paper. So whether they ever download the white paper or not, you're still giving them nuggets that nuggets. are helpful. Yeah. Um, and now you have enough content for five emails and you, you're still only promoting one piece of content. You know, this is interesting because this is something I could have done and I didn't do when I first got Pardot. There was this company that when I did a content inventory and I looked at what we had, there's maybe, I think that would say that there's like five things, but three of them were really bad white papers from the 80s or yep. I don't, it, it blurs. It's just really bad. They were <laughs> like four logos ago of that particular right. company. Right. So they didn't even look right. But the mistake I made was I looked at these and they're like, they're so off brand. I can't possibly use those, but I didn't look at the content that was in them. Maybe the content was good, but I just sort of like judged the white paper by the cover. Right. And it was like, I can't use this. It's out. Right. Brand, brand, you know, authentic brand, you know, protection and design. Right. Right. But to your point, um, whether it's the snippets, um, and if we can actually serve that up, but take, Take the core concepts of it. Maybe it doesn't need to be eight pages like it did in the old days. Right. Make a two-page summary of your really old white paper you know, right. or a one-pager and, yep. and, and add some new stats to it. That's really cool, yep. that rejuvenating your old content. You're putting your content biggest... in the fountain of youth. There you go. <laughs> that's one of the biggest fears people have about lead nurturing is there's no way I have enough content. That's true. Well, you do. You just need to go back and look at it. So. Okay, and then that takes us to the why, which right. is um, why are we bothering? Right. Why? I mean, what is our goal? We know now that it can't be to stay in front of people. So what do we want to accomplish with this specific nurture? Well, we want to get people to download two pieces of content, or we want to get people to register for a webinar, or we want to get people to watch a recorded webinar or whatever the goal is. Cause if you don't have that 
this is what we hope to accomplish with this nurture, then when you get to the end, how will you know if you were successful? Right. It's not going to be about clicks. I mean, that's something you can look at. That's oh, definitely yeah. some metrics that you can put in a pie chart. But in the end, did you achieve your goal? And if you didn't, that's what you need to know to improve or to tweak or to try something different. But staying in front of people, there's no way to improve that because you don't know what's going well and what isn't. So Why don't bother? be afraid to fail. Why does it matter? Yeah. Right. Don't be afraid to fail at a nurture because what great information that is. Right. Such great information. Right. You need to learn from it. As long as you learn from it, then you didn't really fail. Right. And I think it's important to ask why on everything that you're putting together, which has more, you know, it's also part of the who cares. So we are, we are sharing this piece of content. Why? Because the CEO suggested it. Mm, okay. Well, if we want to keep our job, okay. Sure. But otherwise just because he thinks it's cool. Like, here's a big why. I see people throw out press releases. Yeah. To, their, to all of their prospects. Why? Now, if the why is because of something that we've done, your life is about to be better and here's how. Yeah. Great. Include the press release as an attachment in an email where you provide context. Yeah. But to assume that everyone on the planet cares that mm -hmm. you've hired three new people, you care. Of course yeah. you care. Yeah. But the outside world doesn't care. Unless it's, it's Casey yeah. Fisher, and then they may care. Uh, then they, then they, they got to know about it. That's right. Um, that's I'm sure right. they'll all care to hear about it too. Right. Uh, but no, that's a really good point. I once had an old boss in marketing that said, you know, what's in it for me? And the me wasn't me, the marketer. Right. It was me as in the customer. Yep. You know, and they're asking themselves, what's in it for me? Your press release. Eh, right. You know, I, you know, I guess you could play the meta game and say, well, you're, you're showing there's something important they should check out. But I like your point. The twist on that is summarize it for them. If they really want to go read it. Great. People probably don't. They'll probably appreciate that they're, it's done up so much so that there's a press release. Right. It's about something that, to your point, helps them, saves their job, something like that. But the fact that Joe Schmo just hired three people, you know, or Cynthia just started here at this new firm. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, and the thing what's is, do the press releases. Yeah. Definitely do the press releases. Send them out to your media contacts. Right. Really important to do. But I don't know about, you have to have a good reason to share it in an email. That's the point. Yeah, good point. Prospects. Yeah. So do them, but send them to the right audience. The audience right. being the journalists. Right. Not your your end customer who right. may not be a journalist and right. has a different care. Yeah. What, where, when, how, why? Bam. Yep. And then just, we've already talked about the who cares. So yeah. there we go. You know what I really like about this? It's almost like we're playing 20 questions. Yeah. 25 questions. We're asking questions. Like almost each one of these things is a question. And, and I think, I don't know who said it, but, when you ask the right questions, you get the right answers, you know? So questions are like way more important than people give them credit for. People usually just want the answer, but oftentimes right. if you ask the right question or like you're saying, ask why, but ask it two or three times to get to right. the real root answer um, right. or ask the who. And it, this, is, this is really important because when you address these questions or if, as a marketer, if you're being inquisitive about these things, you're gonna get to the bottom stuff. You're not gonna be resting on the surface 
Right. Totally lost, sending right. the wrong things to the wrong people. You will have asked those questions and those things, even asking the question will guide that conversation. Just saying, you know, what, why should I do this? Or, or what needs to happen? Or who should this go to? Like, you know, maybe I shouldn't send an email now. Maybe I need to rewrite that because it's all right. about me. It's not really yes. about them. Right. Boom. Boom. Who are you? You, you kind of tease people <laughs> with your history and I know more about it than everyone else does. But so you have this amazing history and, and just who are you? Take us back to the days of Susan. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm really, uh, there's nothing too fascinating. <laughs> I, I'm fascinated. I've been, I'm born and bred Nebraskan, so I am a huge Husker fan. Is there like we a have, cheer? Should I be just like, woo, or something? Um, Is there go like Big a, Red. Uh, go Big Red. Okay. Yeah, it's Go Big Red. Go Big Red. That's go Big Red. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I, can sing, I can sing songs. I can do all kinds of things. Um, and my you know, the Huskers were good. And as a Nebraskan, it feels like it was yesterday, but it was a really long time ago. Mm. Um, but my family has had season tickets since the early 1930s. 1930s? Yeah. Yeah. It's been passed down. Um, wow. This is the fourth or fifth generation of people that are actually going to games. So, I mean, Husker football is definitely in my wow. blood. Um, and yet I didn't go to the University of Nebraska. I went to a small college um, in Nebraska, which was a great education. And then I yeah. got out and, and um, ended up teaching because I didn't know what else I wanted well, to hold do. Hold on. You went to school to be a teacher? Is that what you do? I, went, I didn't know what I was doing. I went to a liberal arts uh, yeah. college and I was going to explore a bunch of ideas. And I got to be a junior and I was an English major. And people said, what are you going to do with that? I, go, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Teach English? And uh, they not, said, yeah. well, you might as well get your teaching certificate just in case. Okay. So I did, and I wasn't sure, even though I come from generations of teachers as well. Right. Um, but then I did my student teaching and realized this is what I was created for. Yeah. This is the reason I'm on the planet. Um, so I got a job teaching journalism, and I didn't want to teach journalism. I wanted to be a speech coach, and uh, I wanted to direct plays. That's where I was so excited about life. Um, but I was terrified that if I didn't take this job that was offered to me in college, um, and it was in a metro area, if I didn't take it, then I was going to be stuck working in a small town in western Nebraska, you know, population 14. And so I was too scared to say no. So, I so they had like one opening. You have your teacher certificate and you're right. like, oh, cool. What kind of opportunities? Are, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll do plays. It'll be fun. Right. And it's like there's this downtown school and all they've got open is journalism. And you're yeah. like – anything but journalism. They're like, yes. guess what? Guess what? The fates have, have given you. <laughs> and what was crazy about it is I had never been on a newspaper staff in high school. I wasn't on a yearbook staff. Uh, so when they said, can you teach journalism? And I was qualified. I'd taken some classes in college yeah. that were terrible. Um, they <laughs> said, no, can you take, can you teach journalism? And I'm like, sure, of course I can. Right. Um, and I replaced the teacher that was leaving was leaving because she was being transferred with her Air Force husband. Okay. And they called her mom. So that, <laughs> that was the situation I was walking into. So and, they loved this teacher. They called uh, her mom. The staff. Now here comes Susan. Yeah, what, yeah. Was it, yeah. Was it Miss Baird at the time or? It was Miss Nelson. Miss Nelson. Miss Nelson. Nelson coming in to shake up things. That's not how we did it. That's not how mom did it. No. Wow. So how, how did you, how was that when you first started that? Um, it was, it was hugely challenging because yeah. she was also 
very popular with the staff. She'd bring food for the whole oh, staff. Um, and so it was, it was tough. And the one saving grace the kids thought was, well, at least we've got this hot co-ed coming in from college. And that wasn't at all what they got either. So, <laughs> oh, no. um, so I, you know, it, one of the things that I think is a, a theme throughout my life is I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. And I figured it out. And I figured it out fast so that by the fifth year, we were winning state awards. Wow. And by the 10th year, we were winning national awards for our newspaper and for our yearbook. And, but that wasn't even what it was about. It was the opportunity to work with kids to help them see the world and help them gain more confidence and learn to work with each other and for each other. And it just, it gives me chills just now, even just talking about yeah, it. Yeah, no, it, I, it, that, that does sound like a number one job for sure. It, it was a calling. It, I mean, it wasn't oh, even yeah. a job, it was a calling. Um, and then at the end of 20 years, they offered me a bunch of money to say, hey, how about if you go somewhere else? and you know, do something else. And I thought, yeah, okay, I'm, I think I've got some talents. Let's see what else I can do. I know I'm gonna join corporate America and make a lot of money. Woohoo, corporate America. Yeah. America. <laughs> Six months later, still couldn't get a job. And really? one of the reasons was people would say, I'd go in an interview and they'd say, what have you done? And I said, I was a teacher and they go, oh, that's nice. Oh, that's really great. Congratulations. Interesting. But translated you don't have any real skills mm. which is so much crap but we want to bullshit right there yeah. yeah but anyway so i thought well what can i do i've been teaching kids to write let's put my money where my mouth is yeah and so then i was a first i started as a copywriter and then i was a social media advisor and yep. uh i was invited to speak and do trainings and workshops and that kind of stuff um but my problem was that i'm a teacher at heart so i had a really hard time charging people yeah, I, you know, they'd say, I don't, I'm just starting my business. I don't have a lot of money. And I'd go, Oh, well, I'll just help you. And then I'd come right. home and my husband would say, the mortgage is due. How'd you do this week? And I go, Oh, well, I helped a lot of people, Yeah, <laughs> but that doesn't pay the bills. So. No. so then I took a job I didn't enjoy. Um, and, uh, but because I was, yeah, <laughs> because I was at that job, I got my, finally got my official marketing creds on a resume. Right. And that's what brought me to a conference where I met you. And now I'm right back just as passionate as I ever was with the whole teaching, training, helping thing. So now, how did that conference go? Because we were, I think we were trying to chat about it earlier. You know, we were just. We, we were at Connections and we, we hung out and sat together. And, um, and then <laughs> and you reached out afterward on Twitter and said, hey, why don't you come work for me? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Have we met on Twitter before that, or? I don't think so. I okay. think we met ourselves met for the first time um, in a Pardot session. Got it. Because I, I know I always liked harassing people on Twitter that also were just like crushing hard on Pardot, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I was out on Twitter at that point, and I yeah. was totally evangelizing Pardot. Totally. Um, but yeah. So met at a conference, and we're like, hey, I like Pardot. You like Pardot. Let's, right. let's do Pardot together. You know, you mentioned earlier um, – uh, I mean, the students are like, who are we going to get? Uh, sometimes pe I, I remember hearing stories where a company would be like, oh, we have Casey coming to do our part on implementation. And it was a group of sales guys. And they thought it was going to be this like hot chick coming, 
And I'm like, hi, I'm Casey. And they're like, ah. Oh. like, what did I say? I just said, hi, I'm Casey. So they're like, yeah, we thought you were going to be someone else. Sorry. <laughs> But yeah, so we, we, yeah, we started doing part implementations. And then, yep. you know, one of the things I wanted to, to bring up too was, uh, you know, in different implementations, we realized it just wasn't enough. It's just not about just setting it up wow. you know, back to the CSI. And there's strategy that, that you need to know about. Otherwise, you're just going to use this you thing. You just have the surface. Yeah, surface level stuff. Know why you're doing what you're doing. Right. And and I know that one of the things that, that you do, and I've had a chance to hear you do it, and it's and it's awesome it's like classes in session is the nurture workshops mm-hmm. and um can you just tell people about it and, and you know so you do these sessions and you teach people nurturing but how does this all go down i kind of walk them through the whole idea of having the conversation with the sales team yeah. and i i you know i help point out some of the places where um they don't like i say where are your leads coming from and how do you know which ones are good and we discover that sometimes we don't even know the answer to that. Right. And which is good um, because we don't, if, if we don't know what we don't know, we don't know how to find out. But now we start to, to know that. And then we talk through the idea of buyer personas. And what I loved about mm. the podcast that you did on that yeah. was that I always flip it when I talk about it, which sounds to me more like what, what your author was saying, um, which is, asking questions what questions are they asking and we've already talked about that so what is it that they want to know not what do we think they want to know but finding out so you know asking to see if if the marketing team knows the answer to the questions and then we wrap up with a content inventory and some other really great resources Um, that's cool and we can do it in a two-hour block and we break it up into you know two single hour blocks yeah and it's yeah. probably even that's just tip of the iceberg. You know, obviously, there's oh. so much we're talking about here right. that we just love geeking out about nurturing yep. and, and taking people through that process. Do you oftentimes have sales on those calls or do you I try. a power session with marketing or how does that? Now, I try to get a few stakeholders from sales. Like, I yeah. don't think it's valuable to have 25 people from sales on there. But, yeah. Yeah. Right. But, you know, like two, two or three yeah, of the sales leaders, and sometimes, especially depending on the size of the company, if it's a small company, sometimes leadership. Because a lot of times it's leadership, whether it's a CEO or CMO, who's making decisions about what needs to happen, but is disconnected from the trenches. So yeah. it's hard for a marketing team to come back and go, but hey, we have all these great ideas, but the CMO doesn't know what those ideas are. So the edicts are coming down top down and it, they don't jive. So when yeah. I can get leadership on the, one of those, that's great too. Yeah. Cause that makes it easier for the team too, because they don't have to try to play the telephone game with the CEO. It's like trying to explain yourself like, uh, so it was a really good conversation and these things happen and you explain it like half as good as you heard it. And it's like, Oh, I hope, I hope the message was received. Right. Um, but yeah, sometimes it can be hard. Uh, I remember one time hearing, or I guess I hear this a lot, the idea of, uh, we don't gate our content because the CEO doesn't want us to, or CEO hates forms. Right. Right. Like it's like, yep. well, I would hate forms too. If there was 12 fields I had to fill out. <laughs> Absolutely. How about how about exactly. three and two of them right. are fulfilled? You know, yep. um, that kind of thing. So right. yeah, it, it, it it's helpful having the the powers that be on that call. 
Right. And to your point, it's just like a, it's one way of just getting the process started. I know that you know, Andrea does with revenue optimization, Absolutely. taking it further, but like yeah. the idea is get the two teams talking because right. what's funny is they're both actually going for the same goal that they should be exactly. and start talking about it. Then, oh, sales is like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> the marketing's like, I didn't know you got that question every single time. Like, exactly. I can address that in a drip campaign. Right. And if everybody serves the potential customer, instead of marketing serving sales yeah. and sales serving sales goals, <laughs> right? And right. instead, everybody, everyone's goal is how can we make our prospects' lives better and how can we keep our customers' lives right. enriched? Right. How, I mean, you can't lose. Enriching the lives of our buyers and our customers. That's so cool. Asking the right questions. Yes. You're just a great question asker. Did that come from journalism or is that just something you've it's, been – it's one of my favorite things to do. You know, yeah. you, we talked a while back about what my passions are yeah. and I love asking people questions and learning more about what they're going through, what they have. Yeah. I love talking to people who think differently from me just because if they can support why they think differently from me, it'll, I love it. I love hearing how, what I'm missing. What do I not understand? But yeah, I love it. It takes some humility to do that too. And not just, oh, I'm right about everything. But let me rhetorically ask you this question, but genuinely asking someone and and, and giving them the benefit of the doubt that there might be something that they could teach you. Absolutely. You know, otherwise you're being fake and you're asking questions just to ask them. Yeah. Not worth it. Not worth it. Well, this is really cool. Thank you so much for coming on here and just hashing out some, some nurturing. This has been fun. Oh, it has been so fun. I mean, I do it. Yeah. I, this is something that you and I are both super passionate about. And um, totally. We'll have to have you come back on here. We, you know, we have so many more CSI topics to hit. <laughs> Whatever I can do to help. And not just because you're my boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> where, where can people connect with you? Um, you know, what are the different places or what, what's the best way to reach out? You know, that's such a great question because I used to be on Twitter a lot. Yeah. Um, and I just, it distracts me. I got too many things mm. I'm trying to accomplish and I get distracted. So um, I'd say probably LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Um, and if you want to look for me, it's Susan and then Nelson and spell it right. N-E-L-L-S-O-N makes me unique. You have two L's in there. I do. I don't and know then, if I even knew that. Yeah. Well, see, you wow. don't ask the right questions, Casey. I don't. I got, I got, a, I got much to learn. I'm <laughs> um, and then Baird, B-A-I-R-D. So that's a, that's a great place to start and um, yeah. be happy to connect. Um, and yeah. Very cool. And you know, there's a new thing we're, um, we just started up. It's a LinkedIn group. We're calling great. hardcore marketing, just a oh, chance excellent. for um, uh, all of our listeners. And then also all of our guests and all the experts that we've talked to yourself included. I'm going to send you an invite for that. And just for people to continue the conversation, ask questions of you, and maybe just, you know, if they want to geek out some more about nurturing, it will be on there. So it's on LinkedIn. It's called Hardcore Marketing. It'll be in the show notes. Um, but yeah, we'll see you all on there. Can't wait. Can't wait. Well, thanks again. Thank you Great so job. much. Thanks for inviting like, me. I just fun. Yes, super fun. And um, yeah, I hope everybody has a great week. Yes, a great week, and we will catch you all later. If you learned something, and you should have, because I have a whole 
bunch of notes down. If you learn something, share this episode with someone else that you like because you want them to learn from this too. And then you become that resource that sent that resource. So Absolutely. do that. Share it with a friend. And um, until next time, guys, we'll, we'll see y'all next time. This has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. See ya. Yeah.